0: Lord, for Thy grace that we Thy dwelling place may be.
1: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the Chinese government in 1952. And remained there until his death in 1972. Following his imprisonment, Witnessley carried on this ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America, and ultimately around the world. He served the Lord for more than 70 years before going to be with him in 1997. His major contribution was through a 21-year labor he called "Life Study," an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, lsmradio.org. Now, here's our show today. A wonderful passage familiar to many Christians in the New Testament, is found in Ephesians chapter 4. This therefore I say, and testify in the Lord, that you no longer walk as the Gentiles also walk in the vanity of their mind, that you put off as regards your former manner of life the old man which is being corrupted according to the lusts of the deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness and holiness of the reality. This marvelous passage in the New Testament inspires us all, but have you ever thought of an Old Testament passage that parallels this one? Well, in fact, there is such a passage, and it's found surprisingly in the book of Leviticus. We want to explore these two parallel passages, one from the Old Testament and one from the New today, and here with us to help out is Dick Taylor. Dick, thank you for being with us today.
2: You're welcome, Chris. It's really good to be with you.
1: Dick, we have a marvelous word to open with today, and that is by seeing how these verses in Ephesians 4 that we refer to in the opening are actually equivalent to Leviticus chapters 18 through 20. Give us a little background, Dick, of the situation that's referred to in this portion of Leviticus.
2: The Israelites have come out of Egypt, Chris, and Egypt in the Old Testament signifies the world. God's desire is that his people would worship him, serve him, and be his expression. So there needs to be a real dealing with Egypt. So there are many regulations that we would no longer live according to Egypt. That means to live according to the world. We'd live a new life because the world replaces God. The world occupies. What was Egypt doing to God's people in the Old Testament? Occupying them and replacing God in their life. So there needs to be a real turn in their life. The customs, the ways, the persons and things in Egypt were replacing God. And we see God's jealousy expressed, for example, in Mark twelve thirty. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and even with all your physical strength so that he could be expressed through us. The problem with the children of Israel was being in Egypt, you end up loving Egypt. Yeah. But the Lord wants us to love him and be his testimony. When we really love him, then we can really be constituted with him and be his testimony. Matthew 4.10 says, You shall worship the Lord your God. Him only shall you serve. So the Lord took his people, the Israelites, out of Egypt so that they would be occupied with him. Nothing would replace him. And they thereby could become his living testimony on this earth.
1: Dick, the first section of our message today is going to show us very vividly that this passage we read in Ephesians 4 about putting on the new man, putting off the old man, is equivalent to these three chapters in Leviticus that we're touching, chapters 18, 19, and 20. I've selected just a couple of verses to give, I think, a a flavor of what the Lord is presenting to his people in the Old Testament in the form of a picture that we're going to hear the reality of. In the New Testament, of course, the reality are these verses that we already read in Ephesians 4. Leviticus chapter 18, beginning at verse 1, it says, Then Jehovah spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, I am Jehovah your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt, in which you dwelt. And you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Mm-hmm. nor shall you walk in their statutes. You shall observe my ordinances, and you shall keep my statutes to walk in them. I am Jehovah your God. Let's listen, Dick, to this marvelous comparison between these two passages, one old and one new.
0: This long portion of the word, Leviticus chapters 18, 19, and 20, is equivalent to Ephesians four seventeen to 5.14. This section actually is a kind of a repetition of what is covered in these three chapters. These two sections of the Word, one in the Old Testament, here in the Eutychus, chapters 18, 19, 20, and the other in Ephesians, 4 and 5, you could put them together And they help each one. You read more of Ephesians, then you understand more of these three chapters. In the Old Testament term, do not live a life according to those people, Egyptians, among whom you lived. And do not live a life among the coming people with whom you will stay, the Canaanites then you have to live a new life. This means to put off the old man in the old manner of life, in the Egyptian manner, nor in the Canaanite manner, but in the manner of God's holy people, which is considered as the new man. To put off the living of the Egyptians and of the Canaanites is to put off the old man. You see, to live a holy life according to God's holiness
1: is to put on the new man. Dick, we have a comparison here uh, between these two passages, an Old Testament passage from Leviticus that talks about the people of Israel, God's people, abandoning the lifestyle, the conduct, the manner of living that they enjoyed or they participated in when they were in Egypt. And this New Testament portion of the Bible that many Christians are familiar with that talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. Let's talk about the relationship between these two passages.
2: They're very similar to each other, Chris, but the one is a picture and the other one is the reality. In Leviticus, you have the picture with the law, with all the regulations related to not living according to the Egyptians or Mm -hmm. according to the Canaanites. But in the New Testament, you have putting on the new man, which really means experiencing Christ as the reality. In the Old Testament, you have so many details related to what to do. In the Old Testament, you have so many regulations, and these regulations, these laws are really like the letter. Uh They're lifeless. But in the New Testament, we have Christ coming. And When Christ comes, grace comes. With grace, there is life. There's the supply. I like John one seventeen, Chris, don't you? It says, the law was given by Moses. That means all these regulations. And in a sense, they're impossible for us to keep. They're a good picture to point us to what we need to do. But we need Christ. It says, the law was given by Moses, but grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. So these two passages really go together, but one is just a picture and really pointing us to Christ. The only one who can fulfill that picture with all its regulations is Christ himself. So our need in the New Testament to be people who put off the uh, living of the Canaanite and the living of the Egyptians, to not live like them, but rather to be God's holy people testifying him, It's altogether a matter of taking care of Christ. He is the one who is grace to us. He's the life supply to constitute us with himself so we could be a holy people with a holy living.
1: It's interesting, Dick, how both passages use this verb, to walk quite strikingly. And in Ephesians, the word that I think is uh, quite well known among many believers, to no longer walk as the Gentiles also walk in the vanity of their mind, if we put that with this portion in Leviticus, to walk as the Egyptians do, those who are living fully in the world, really defines what it means to walk in vanity, doesn't
2: it? It surely does. Also in chapter 4 of Ephesians, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So on one hand, we don't want to walk according to the vanity of our mind, but we want to take care of Christ, who is the life-giving Spirit in our spirit, and we enjoy the renewing of our mind by the Spirit.
1: Dick, I appreciate how you um, said a couple of times here that it's a picture that points us to Christ. Amen. And that's been this entire book of Leviticus, hasn't it? Picture after picture pointing us to Christ as the reality, the fulfillment of all these pictures.
2: That's right. We have Ephesians 4 and 5, but we need the details from Leviticus to bring us into more experience and enjoyment of Christ.
1: Well, Dick, we're covering a lot of ground. Really, this first section touches these three chapters, 18, 19, and 20 in Leviticus. Let's go on a little bit. In chapter 21, we turn a corner and we see that not only as God's people do we need to have a holy living, but more so... As priests to God, we must have a living that matches his holiness. Let's go back to Witness Lee.
0: I uh, really appreciate the sequence of this book. Firstly, our condition exposed. Following this, the propitiation is presented to us. Then following the propitiation or the redemption, We must treasure our faith in Christ and in his work. Then after this, we have to live a holy life as God's holy people. Now, after the holy life of the holy people, we come to the holy living for the priesthood. We have to realize All God's people should be priests. Not just one group among the whole people. No. But every one of God's people should be a holy priest. The holy living of the holy people is for the priesthood. In this chapter, you have two sections. Firstly, the holy living for the priesthood, then secondly, the disqualifications from the priesthood. Yes, we were regenerated into the holy priesthood, yet it may be possible that we are disqualified in uh, several ways, if not in many ways. We have to remember that we are holy people for God's holy priesthood. So, we must be careful not to touch anything that could defile us or profane us. We have been sanctified, made holy, so we should not be profaned. To be profaned is just to be made common. It's just to be made worldly. It's just to be made... People in debt. Don't forget, in the New Testament, all of us are not laymen. All of us are priests. So we should live a priestly life, not just a life of the holy people, but a life of the holy priest. The people are quite common, but the priests are very, very separated unto God, that is, sanctified to be
1: holy unto God. Dick, I think whether or not this portion of Leviticus penetrates us altogether depends on how we see ourselves in relationship to the priesthood here. He made the comment uh, that among God's people there are no laymen. All of the believers are priests in the New Testament, Therefore, these words uh, that exhort the priests to have a holy living are absolutely appropriately applied to us, aren't they?
2: They surely are.
1: But I think, Dick, today probably a lot of typical Christians, typical believers, take a lot of comfort in the thought that there is a special priestly or ministerial class of people that takes care of these things. But this is not the proper understanding of the New Testament, is it?
2: It is not, Chris. There are several verses that confirm this. One verse is Revelation 1-6 that says God made us priests. All are priests to him. 1 Peter 2 also mentions that we are a holy priesthood. There are many verses that indicate we are all priests. And the priest is not only to serve God, but to be filled with God, to enjoy God, and to be God's expression. That's why God is desirous that all his people would be priests because we are all needed for his expression. So it's not just a special few, but it's all God's people who are priests. I like the fact that a priest is sanctified, which means separated unto God. It also includes being saturated with God. So as New Testament priests... We're those who are always opening our being to the Lord every day as much as we can to allow him to not only just separate us from the world, but to saturate us with himself. So we want to be those who are sanctified to the Lord, not profane, not common, uh, enjoying the Lord's presence, especially wearing garments of consecration, meaning always giving ourselves to him, opening to him, allowing him to saturate us with himself, the very Holy One, that we might be priest. Then we'll see the fulfillment and the reality of Revelation one six.
1: Dick, you mentioned here this matter of the garments. This is just one of many details that are included in uh, chapter 21. If anyone is following along reading chapter 21 of Leviticus, they see all kinds of things, our garment, our hair, our nose, so many things that are brought up. Uh, But they can all somewhat be summed up in these last couple of verses, which we want to touch in our final section today. Beginning at verse 21, it says, No one of the seed of Aaron, the priest, who has a defect, shall come near to present Jehovah's offerings by fire. He has a defect. He shall not come near to present the food of his God. He may eat the food of his God, both of the Most Holy and of the Holy, but he shall not go in unto the veil or come near to the altar because he has a defect so that he does not profane my holy places for I am Jehovah who sanctifies them. Dick, this is really interesting. I'm looking forward to this last section. This says, uh, essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, anyone who has a defect among God's people, among the priests, is not allowed in to serve, but nonetheless he can still eat. There's still a portion for this one. And there's a very hopeful conclusion to this uh, somewhat dark picture that was just painted. There surely is. Let's get to it, Dick.
0: The Bremis, the ones being permitted to eat the food of God, that's Christ, both the most holy and the holy, but not to come in into the veil or approach the altar, not to touch the uh, Holy of Holies, neither to touch the uh, altar in the altar court. Because on the altar, the priest offer the offerings as food to God. Then they brought the blood of those offerings into the veil. If uh, you as a priest do have some blemish, then this disqualify you. To uh do your priestly service, but you still are qualified to enjoy Christ as food by studying this chapter, we should be made clear where should we be what can persons we should be that we can keep our qualification to serve God as a priest so to Sections. One section is that we must live a holy life that befits our priesthood. The second section is that we must keep ourselves perfect, complete, and properly balanced. Then we will not be disqualified. How could we be this? We can be this just by contacting the perfect Christ and enjoy Him and experiencing Him day by day. He will make us complete, perfect, and properly balanced. Then we will have all the required qualifications for us to serve as a priest in the New Testament Age. This is a great help. You couldn't see this kind of a description in the New Testament. New Testament is good, but you cannot get a description so much in detail concerning our praise hope. In this book, we could see this in the picture.
1: This is very, very good. Dick, anyone who has walked with the Lord for any length of time surely has to realize that we are all full of defects, full of imperfections, and that in ourselves we're altogether unbalanced. So this portion in Leviticus really deals with all of our cases, doesn't it?
2: You can say that again. We're full of these things.
1: We are. And so therefore, by these verses we can see in ourselves there's no way that we're fit to serve God, to serve in His house. Yet, despite that, there's still a portion for us to eat. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And there's a hopeful aspect, a hopeful side of this eating and enjoyment of Christ. Let's talk about that in our remaining few minutes.
2: Yes, Chris, this section fills us with hope. Right. We can not only enjoy Christ a little bit, but all of us can enjoy him to the uttermost. It's really good to see these two points our brother mentioned, that uh, in Leviticus we need to live a holy life number one. Number two, we need to keep ourselves perfect, complete, and properly balanced. And then when you see all the details that are brought out in Leviticus, like you mentioned, Chris, we just realize this kind of life is impossible. There's only one person that can live that kind of life, and that is the perfect, balanced, complete, even, wonderful, marvelous, precious Christ. Our need more than anything, like our brother Lee mentioned, is to just be constantly contacting and enjoying Him. I would say, Chris, all of this brings us back to the book of Ephesians again, and it brings us back to Christ and to the very experience of Christ, as we see it in Ephesians 5.18. And be filled in spirit. Christ today, who is the perfect, complete, balanced, wonderful, marvelous one, is the fulfillment of all these regulations— with a holy life that is never in any way disqualified. This one today is the life-giving spirit, and to all of you who are listening and we who are here involved in this broadcast, he is right now living in our spirit. So we need to be those who are exercising our spirit to constantly enjoy him and contact him. Mm -hmm. Then we get constituted with the one who's perfect, complete, balanced, we live the holy life and we live a life that has no defects, causing us to be disqualified from the priesthood. So may we be those who uh, practice like the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, where he said, Always rejoice, unceasingly pray, in everything give thanks. And then he says in the next verse, Do not quench the Spirit. Meaning what? We need to be those who are always contacting the perfect, complete, balance Christ and enjoying him to the uttermost so that we are fully qualified to be the priests for his expression.
1: Dick, this is really good. He has mentioned two or three times in the course of this live study how he appreciates the sequence in Leviticus, and we see it again here. We have all of these points, and if we uh, get into them... We come away with the feeling and the realization there's nothing about us that's qualified. Yet, the Lord provides this portion of enjoyment of Christ for even the unqualified ones.
2: And we're all unqualified. And
1: we're all unqualified. But by virtue of that enjoying Christ, even in our unqualified state, he then becomes our qualification. That is marvelous.
2: None of this can be fulfilled just by us making up our mind. It's all by our contacting and enjoying Christ. What a Christ we have.
1: Amen, Dick. What a Christ we have. Dick, thank you again for your fellowship today. Uh, The time expired too quickly, as it often does. Come back very soon.
2: I surely will, Chris.
1: Our toll-free number for you to call us is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814, or send us an email message to radio at lsm.org. For Dick Taylor, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you very much for listening today. Amen. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee ministered the Word of God for over seven decades. Many consider these life studies as his seminal work, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Spirit. If you'd like to find out more about Witness Lee, these life study messages or any of the materials provided by Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. That's lsm.org. You can also email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Thanks for listening today.